righteous unto us, as far as the east is from the west. So far, the Lord has separated us from our iniquity. So when we think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for us, our souls ought to cry out. Thank you, Lord, for saving a wretch like me. We just want to welcome you to the Tabernacle of Praise worship service today. We promise today will be a blessing as we worship him in spirit and in truth. We want you just to give us a shout out, wave to us. Let us know that you're watching today. Say praise the Lord. Happy Sabbath. Thank you, Jesus. We want to invite a friend to watch today. Start a watch party. Uh, we, this is going to be a beautiful service today. I'm going to tell you up front that we have a, we have our president going to be breaking the bread this morning. So we want you to stay tuned. This is truly going to be a blessing. You know, we're living in some serious times this morning. There's a wave going across this nation, across the world. In fact, the Lord is pricking the consciousness of men and women, red, yellow, black, and white. To the messages, all are precious in God's sight. Black lives truly matter. The Lord is doing something today, and we are just so thankful for God's grace and his mercy upon us. You know, a long time ago, God said black lives matter when God sent his son to die for all of us, said we are worth something. And we just thank God for his love and his compassion upon us. Whatever you're going through, whatever you've been through this week, we can just thank God it didn't kill us. We can thank God we have one more chance to worship him in spirit and in truth. Whatever you're going through, God says, take it to the Lord in prayer. So at this time, I've invited Elder Toy McCray to take us to the throne of grace this morning. Good morning and happy Sabbath. It is good that we can connect with our Lord and our Savior together. And I pray that you uh, just pour it all out to God and leave it at his feet because Jesus promised us that everything will be all right if we endure to the end. Amen. So let us pray. Every head is bowed. Spirit of the living God, we are grateful for a time such as this to be alive and well uh, according to your word. We believe, Lord, that you are our sustainer and our protector. We also believe that you are our redeemer. We are just here to acknowledge that you are the true and living God. And by acknowledging who you are and what you mean to us, we ask for a special request today. Our special request is our families, oh God. Our families, Lord, who are not connected with you and have separated and connect and disconnected themselves with us. We ask that you will go and give them a special visitation because sometimes they may be afar off, God. They may be in another city or maybe in another state. But, Lord, we know that you can reach them. And I request, oh, Lord, that you will allow your spirit to tabernacle with them and remind them of your love and remind them of our love for them and let them know that they are cared for and that they are loved, God, and they can make a decision just to pick up the phone and call their family or they can get on their knees and call on you and you will soothe their thoughts and bring peace peace and restoration to their lives so father i pray today 
that our families, oh Lord, will be on your list to visit today, that you will go and do something that we cannot do. We ask that you remind them of the past, how you have brought them through. We ask you to remind them how you continue to feed them every day. We ask you to remind them that you are the God that sit high, look low, and that you are available for them, even in this time of trouble that the world is in. Remind our families, oh Lord, that you are the God who created them in your own image and after your likeness and that you love them so much that you are chasing after them. I pray, God, that you remind our family members that you are available, that you are right there, standing right there, waiting on them to call on your name so you can go and rescue their, their troubled thoughts, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you even give us the dose of medicine that we need to continue to move forward, to go on in faith, to increase our love for you and our love for each other. God, there's many things that we can ask for. There's many things that we, we can request, but the most thing that we need of above all things is the Holy Spirit. So we pray right now that you will allow the Holy Spirit, not just the tabernacle with us today, but to remain with us throughout until Jesus come. That's our prayer today. We ask that you anoint the rest of this service. We ask you to look down on your men's servant. We ask you to open his mind and open the library of heaven and pour it out in his brain and that he can speak fluently to your people so it can reach our hearts so we know that we have been connected with thee and that we can move forward in faith because of what you are telling your people today. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord is really good. Thank you for that prayer, Tori. I want to remind us first, I'm going to give a little announcement for all of us who are um, stewards of God, and we all are stewards of God. Uh, returning your tithes, you can do it through Cash App, and that's at the sign, dollar sign, top giving. And then you can um, return your tithes through AdventistGiving.org. Um, and then you can mail it to our treasurer and um, You'll get that through Karen. She'll send it out. I'll make this announcement again for those who join us in the middle. So I want to read something that is a very sobering thought and also very timely thought for us today. Uh, if you made it through this week, you can praise the Lord because you made it through COVID-19 another week. Praise God. That's a real blessing all by itself. But here's a very sobering thought that I ran across. It says a work which we have failed to do in a time of peace and prosperity, we will have to do in a terrible crisis under the most discouraging, forbidding circumstances. Are we there yet? Are we at a place where we have to do God's work in a terrible, discouraging, forbidding situation? Almost. If you had a difficult time using your time, talents, and temple and, for, and treasure for the Lord, before now, it's going to be hard to start now, but do start because God wants us to be the best and to develop our best. And here's another thought. When the religion of Christ is most held in contempt, when his law is most despised, then should our zeal be the warmest, our courage and firmness the most unflinching, to stand in defense of truth and righteousness when the majority forsake us, to fight the battles of the Lord when champions are few. This will be our test. 
At this time, we must gather warmth from the coldness of others, courage from their cowardice, and loyalty from their treason. Now listen, it just seems like it makes sense not to continue to doing the things that you were doing before. I mean, after all, you really have a good excuse. I mean, you know, we have COVID-19, we have the protests, we have crime is off the, off the, it's just off the chart. We have all kinds of things going on and in in, in this inc includes our own personal problems. You know, our bills, our kids, our husbands, our, you know, our family, our friends, everybody getting on our last nerves. But this is not the time to step back. This is the time to step up because this is the testing time. This is the proving time. Either you're with me or you're against me. This is not the time to say, I'm not going to make that phone call to the church member because I don't feel like it. It's not the time to say, I'm not going to study the Bible. This is not the time. This is not the time to say, I'm not going to pray. We have to use our time wise. It's not the time to say, I'm just going to eat anything. COVID-19 is out there waiting to destroy our bodies. It's time to step up that meal plan. It's time to eat more fresh fruits, vegetables, drink the right stuff, give, give up your alcohol, tobacco. We know y'all not doing that. And also your soda. So this is a time to start doing things a little better. Treasure is not the time. He said, I'm going to refurbish my house and not pay the law. It's just not that time. Mm -hmm. The time for that, if there was a time, is not today. Today is the time to step up. Today is the time to do better. Today is the time to remember God with all that we have, with our hearts, with our souls, with our minds, to hang on, to cling on, to do our very best. And we can't do anything but roll over on the floor and look up and say, Lord, help. Do that and do it as many times a day as you have to. But this is the time to hang on. Because, folk, I'm not for sure. I think in the Bible it says something like when pestilences, wars, and rumors are wrong, this is the beginning beginning of problems. So let's step up, people. Let's show out for God. Let's do our absolute best. Let's hang in there. It's going to get difficult. You're going to feel loneliness. You're going to feel sadness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But reach out, reach up, and do your work for God. Remember that um, I, we still are on the battlefield. People still have to be saved. So our, our um, talents in our areas are needed. So remember to return your tithes and offering. Go to a cash app and you, and you use the dollar sign, type giving. Then you do evidencegiving.org or evidencegiving.org. Or you can mail it to the treasurer. Or I think if you call Paul, he'll come and pick it up. Or you can drop it off by Paul's house. Or maybe, I don't know if there's another elder around that you can do it to them too. But listen, people, let's step up. God is so good to us. We are alive. We live through COVID-19. And that we should give God some praise for it. You guys have a blessed day. Enjoy your Sabbath. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, Sister Carol, for encouraging us to be faithful in our stewardship. Praise the Lord. Well, like I said, once again, we've been blessed to have our president, Pastor Roger Bernard, is going to bring a powerful message this morning. So we just want you once again to try and invite someone to get on to this, uh, this message today. And after our songbird, Beverly Stewart Anderson, will take us on up to the to the throne room today. The next voice you hear will be that of Pastor Roger Bernard, the man of God. Hear ye him.
Good morning and happy Sabbath, everybody. Uh, glad to be again with the Tabernacle of Praise Church family. And for those who jo uh, chose to join us today, we uh, get, give you a special greeting and thank you for choosing to worship with us. We know that you have many worship options, uh, especially today using social media, but we're excited that you chose to drop by the Tabernacle of Praise uh, worship service located in Kansas City, uh, sorry, in St. Louis, Missouri, in St. Louis, Missouri. So we're excited about having you all join us today. Thank you so much for being with us. We are excited before we actually jump into our service, our worship word for today. We're excited about our virtual camp meeting that will be taking place on tomorrow. You're not going to want to miss it. We will begin at 730 Central Standard Time. 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Our speaker who's going to start us off is Pastor Kimberly Baldwin from the New Beginning Seventh-day Adventist Church in Wichita, Kansas, a powerful woman of God. You're not going to want to miss it. Great music, great preaching. And uh, on we will culminate on Sabbath, uh, June the 20th, with powerful word. Uh, we have uh, Dr. James Doggett Sr., who will be the speaker for our adult service, for our youth service. Uh, pastor James Doggett Sr. is the senior pastor of the Patmos Chapel Seventh-day Adventist Church in Orlando, Florida. We have Dr. Abraham Henry, who is the youth director for the Lake Region Conference. Uh, we know Dr. Henry, he will be our youth speaker for Sabbath. And then we have Pastor Benjamin Carballo, who is uh, from the, a pastor in the Nevada, Utah Conference, who will be our speaker for our Hispanic camp meeting. You're not going to miss it. We're going to have a great time. You're all invited. We start on tomorrow, so plan to join us. This morning, we want to prepare now to get right into the word. Uh, our text for consideration today is going to come from the book of Mark. Well, everybody to grab your Bibles, whatever form you have that Bible in, uh, whether it be your iPads, phones, printed word, whatever it is, we want you to go ahead on and grab it right now so that we can jump right into the word of God. Mark chapter nine, we're going to begin reading at verse 25. Mark chapter nine, beginning at verse 25, I'm going to read actually through to verse 29. I'm trusting that you have it. Here's what the word of the Lord says. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead. Insomuch that many said he is dead. The text says, but Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up and he arose. And when he was come into the house, the disciples asked him privately. Don't miss this. We're going to jump right into our text. This is our text of focus, 28 and 29. Please don't miss this. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind 
cometh forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. For the next few moments, let us consider the topic, why? Why? Let's pray, everyone. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are thankful for this opportunity to be together. And we ask you uh, just to speak a word today that will be a blessing to your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Jesus took his closest friends, Peter, James, and John. Now, that's a whole nother sermon all by itself. I wish I had time to preach it, but I don't. Maybe another time. But he took his closest friends, Peter, James, and John. He took them up into the mountain. He said, come with me. Let's go up into the mountain. The other nine disciples, he left down in the valley. And when they went up the mountain, it was there that the Bible says that Jesus' garments illumined whiter than any white the disciples had ever seen before, whiter than snow. It, it, he, was, he was illuminated. Uh, and, and the word says the three disciples that were there were in shock as they were watching what was happening. This, this light is permeating from the Lord. And there appeared there at the top of the mountain with Jesus, Moses and Elijah, two individuals who once lived on earth, but now find themselves in heaven. Elijah the word says, was translated to, to heaven without seeing death. Uh, Elijah, Elijah represents those who will go to heaven without dying. Moses, who let God's people uh, die, but was resurrected and taken to heaven. Moses represents those who will die, yet be resurrected and will go to heaven. And they were there talking to Jesus at the top of the mountain. And Peter, James, and John, imagine with me, were in awe as they were watching this scene. The word says, I, I don't know. Now, I don't know what Moses and Elijah said to Jesus, but maybe it was. They were giving him courage and encouragement to continue to go forward in his mission here on earth. Maybe Elijah said, Jesus, hang in there. I, I know what it feels like to be on earth and be teaching people and talking to people and they seek your life. They turn on you at the moment's notice. But if you hang in there, heaven will be your reward. Maybe Moses said, Jesus, hang in there. I know what it's like to lead people who every time you turn around, they're doing what you told them they shouldn't be doing. I know what it feels like to go the way of the grave and yet be resurrected. Hang in there. I don't know what the conversations were, but I imagine that that's how they went. And Peter, James, and John were sitting here and soaking it all in, and they were in awe. And the word says that, that there was a brighter light that began to shine, and, and a voice from heaven. The word says it was the Father who said, this is my beloved Son. Hear him. Can you imagine it? You're there at the top of the mountain with Jesus. He is illumined. You have Elijah and Moses there and the father speaks. They are so excited that they just don't know what to do. And they fall on their faces with their heads bowed. And when they open their eyes, <clears throat> Elijah and Moses are gone. Great light was gone, even though they were still illumined. And, and, and the word says that Peter doesn't exactly know what to say. 
Uh, all of them didn't know what to say. So Peter said, let, let, let us build three tabernacles. Let's build one for you, Jesus, one for Moses and one for Elijah. Can you imagine the amount of time it would have took if they stayed in the mountain and built tabernacles? That's a whole nother sermon as well, but we're going to keep on going. And Jesus, Jesus beckons him, no, we got to go down out of the mountain because you see, ministry doesn't take, take place in the mountain. Mountain experiences are to revive us and to charge us and to get our passions flowing again. But ministry takes place in the valley. Jesus understood that. And so he, Peter, James, and John begin to make their way back down out of the mountain. And as they're coming down out of the mountain, we are told that there's a great multitude that's there. And the Pharisees, the scribes, they are there and they're they're, they're, Jesus can't quite figure out what they're saying. I'm sure he could imagine, but they're moving their mouths, maybe pointing their fingers in the disciples' faces. And when Jesus comes down, he walks right up into the midst of them. And the word says, read it in Mark chapter nine. He asks, what is it that you're saying to my disciples? These scribes now shrink off into the background as the crowd begins to make their way closer. And this, this, the scene is interrupted as a father dragging his son maybe by the arm, breaks through, falls at the feet of Jesus. And I want you to hear his words, Mark chapter nine. The Bible says that he says to Jesus, I brought my son to you to be healed, but they couldn't do anything. You're not listening to me. Get, Get this now, this father who has a son that's demon possessed comes to Jesus seeking help for his son. He, he understands that if this son is gonna be relieved from the possession of this demon, that if he could just get to Jesus, he could get the help that he needed. But when he comes, he can't find Jesus. So he now turns his attention to those who are connected to Jesus, those that he knows ought to have some power. Because if you've been walking with Jesus and moving with Jesus and living with Jesus, you ought to have some power. Are you listening to me? The word says that he comes, he can't find Jesus, so he turns to his disciples who are supposed to have power and he asked them to cast out this demon and they could not. The word says that Jesus makes a statement. He says, how long do I have to bear this? How long do I have to put up with this kind of unbelief? Bring the boy to me. There are many sermons in just those statements that have been made, but our focus is on why. And so the word says that the father now brings this son to Jesus. And, and immediately now we have a view of the great controversy again, good versus evil, the uh, God versus Satan. And Satan, this boy is foaming at the mouth. His hair looks Mad and he's rolling around in the dirt and guttural sounds are coming from him. We can clearly see the, the, the evidence of following Satan and what he intends to do to people 
who follow who follow him. They 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 don't speak intelligently intelligently anymore, and and, and they're, they're not themselves. And, and and he really wants to drag them down and tear them down. And I want to pause to say, even though this is not part of the message, that this is what is promised. This is the life that's promised when people choose to follow the ways of the evil one. But so we see, we see, we see what it looks like when we choose to follow Satan and we see a calm savior who is standing there, who's about to show us what it will look like when we choose to follow Christ. The word says that Jesus looks and says to this father, how long has he been like this? And the father surprisingly says that he's been like this since he was a child all of his life. It appears that this boy was demon possessed all of his life. Jesus wanted the people who were watching this thing to understand that that what was about to happen would, would be a testimony for them that there would be nothing that, that would bind a person, nothing that could hold on to a person that he can't break. It doesn't matter how long a person has been an alcoholic. It doesn't matter how long a person has been a racist. It doesn't matter how long a person has been bound by sin. If they come to Jesus and they give their hearts to Jesus, he can change their nature and bring them back in harmony with God's will. I know somebody who's sitting, wherever you're sitting, you got to be saying, amen. Go ahead on, type amen in that comment section. There is nothing that the Lord himself cannot handle. And Jesus shows that. And so watch the boy now flipping around and rolling around in the dirt. And, and I imagine, if I tell this story the way I see it, I imagine Jesus says, you can do whatever you want right now, but you coming up out of him and you are never going back hitting him again. Jesus says to that unclean spirit, come out of him and don't ever go back in again. And, and the spirit tears him and, and the boy falls to the ground and he looks like he's dead. The people, the people who are watching this scene, unbelievable scene, they are whispering to each other, he's dead. Maybe the scribes are peeping over the shoulders of the people and they're saying, he killed him, he's dead. But the word says that Jesus goes over. He takes the boy by the hand and jumps up to his feet. He's in his right mind now. He can speak intelligently again. The people are excited. They're saying, wow, what kind of God is this? The, 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 the scribes are in shock as they go away with this scene etched in their mind. And as more and more people begin to come, Jesus pulls his disciples away and they begin to retreat to the place where they would stay for the evening. Can you imagine this journey? Jesus walking, Peter, James, and John still in shock by what they saw up in the mountain and what they witnessed when they came down in the valley. The other nine disciples had their heads bowed as they were walking quietly and they go and make their way to the place where they would stay. Maybe they were sitting around grabbing a little bit to eat. The atmosphere is still, everyone is quiet, but then someone breaks the silence with the question that has been burning on their tongues since they began their walk with Jesus to the place that they would stay for the evening. Somebody finally gets the courage to, 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 to ask the question, the thing that they all wanted to know, why could we not do it? 
They know. <laughs> they knew that they had the stuff. If you go back, when you get time, I want you to go back to the book of Mark chapter 6. And when you look at verses 7 and verse 12 and verse 13 and so on and so forth, when you look at that, you would discover that Jesus in Mark chapter 6 had already given the disciples the power to cast out demons. As a matter of fact, the word says in Mark 6 verse 7 that Jesus sends them out two by two and he gave them power over unclean spirits. And they, they, they had even used the power. They had even cast out unclean spirits before. Listen to me, listen to me. They had the power, they used the power, they cast out the devils before, they came back with a testimony to Jesus saying, we, boy, even the devil couldn't stand before us. We commanded them out and they came out. They came back with the testimony in Mark chapter six that, 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 that they utilized the power and that the power worked. But in Mark chapter nine, when the father brings his son to have the devil cast out, they couldn't do it. What happened to the power? Why is it, Lord, that we could not do it? I'm glad you asked, because I want to give you the answer. Jesus answered them, this kind of thing, this kind of usage of the power that's available to the people of God can only happen. Stay with me, I'm getting into the sermon. This kind of thing can only happen by prayer and by fasting. Touch your neighbor right there where you are, right in the house and say, did you hear what he said? This kind of thing to experience the power, the miracle working power of God can only happen when God's people are wearing their knees out, when God's people are denying themselves. I'm gonna have to make this a part two sermon because today I'm gonna deal with prayer. This can only happen when God's people are praying and fasting. So there are three things quickly, because I'm almost out of time. I'm looking at this clock. There are three things quickly that we want to focus on. Why were they not praying? I knew you were wondering that. <laughs> Why weren't they praying? Why should they have been praying? And what happens as a result of people praying? Those are three things. Write those down. Go grab a pen quickly. I know you know what one is. Why weren't they praying? Why should they have been praying? And what happens as a result of God's people praying? So the first question, why weren't they praying? I, I, I read something. I want to read it to you. It's in a beautiful book. It's called Patriarchs and Prophets. The author is Ellen G. White. Uh, you got to pick that book up. If you need it, just kind of type in the comment section and we'll see how we can accommodate you. But it's a beautiful book. Uh, I want to read what she says about why they weren't praying. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 431, around paragraph one. Here's what it says. The words of Christ 
pointing to his death had brought sadness and doubt. When Christ talked about his death, even his disciples, yes, they were sad, but it brought doubt as well. That's a whole nother message. Watch this. Listen here, don't miss this part. And the selection of the three disciples to accompany Jesus to the mountain had excited the jealousy of the nine. <laughs> you listening to this? Instead of strengthening their faith by prayer and meditation on the words of Christ, they had been dwelling on their discouragement and personal grievances. In this state of darkness, they had undertaken the conflict with Satan. Why weren't they praying? Because they were too busy hating. <laughs> they weren't praying because they were hating. What's wrong with me? How come every time you turn around, he's taking Peter, James, and John with him somewhere? Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. I, I, I can... I could pray like Peter, James, and John. I, I could walk just like Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. Peter. So, so they were busy hating that Jesus was taking Peter, James, and John with them, that they weren't focusing on their prayer. Why, why is it? You know, and that we have that in our churches today. How come they always are the one invited to sing? How come they keep getting chosen as elders? How come they get to do this? And how come they get to do that? And instead of focusing in on what it is God would have you do, they were so busy hating on the fact that they didn't have a chance to go in the mountain that they weren't spending time in prayer. They weren't spending time focusing in on the mission that was before them so that when this father brought his son who needed help for them to provide the power that they had already used, they had no power to do it because their focus was off. And I want to submit to you today that many times our focus is off. We're not doing enough praying. We're not doing enough meditating on God's word. With our minds are focused on all kinds of stuff other than the power that is in plenteous supply for God's people if they would just get on their knees and pray. Some things will take place in this world if God's people get on their knees and pray. There is not enough prayer going on. How many times have we gone to meetings, meetings, and we do a little bit of praying and a whole lot of bickering and arguing. People focus in on the wrong stuff. What color the carpet should be? What color should we paint the walls when there are people who are perishing all around us who need to be delivered by folk who know how to pray? The reason they couldn't cast out this demon is because they were not spending time in prayer. And so the question is, how much time are we spending in prayer? Think about it. I wish I had time to really unpack this thing. So they weren't praying because they were busy hating. But the second question is, why should they have been praying? Why should they have been praying? They should have been praying because life never stops. Life never stops. Remember, they were just down in this valley, minding their own business, hating on the fact that they weren't in the mountain with Jesus, 
when life showed up, when this father comes with a demon-possessed boy, and when they tried to use the power that was available, they could not. Life, you know, I've discovered this. Life never stops. Every time you turn around, something is happen happening. Someone protect, someone who has been charged with protecting and saving us mistreats us. Life never stops. Someone who's in the highest position in the United States is not doing anything to bring us together. And so it's causing more tensions and more anger and more frustration. Life never stops. Someone goes to the doctor just for a regular routine examination and they're getting, given that negative report that it's cancerous. Life never stops. Someone's child turns their back on God after they've been raised to know God and raised to follow God. Life never stops. Every time that we turn around, there is something else that life throws at us. And unless we know how to spend time talking to our Savior, the power to get through what life throws us will not be available. We can't turn on and off the power when we want to. I often, I often use this term. It's like, it's like, it's like the genie in the lamp. When we need some power, we rub the lamp so that the genie can come out and give us some power. But when we finish getting that power, we want the genie to go back in the lamp and we place the lamp on the mantle until we need some more power. It doesn't work like that. Life never stops. And if life never stops, then praying never stops. It should never stop. We should be praying in the morning, praying in the noon, praying in the evening time, praying in the heart that the songwriter said, it will keep your heart in tune because life will happen. Life sure enough will happen. You will get that call from your employer saying, you're, on, you're gonna be put on furlough. You're gonna get that call saying you're gonna be terminated. Your car will break down at the most inopportune time. Someone will, display, someone will display racism and hatred to you. Life never stops. You know, in light of all that's happening in our world today, we are seeing a coming together like we've never seen before. But it is also exposing racism at its core, at its fiber. And what will happen if God's people are not praying is that you, uh, to deal with this racism, you will become bitter and, 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 and you will begin to fight, per se, fire with fire, and you will become racist and bitter instead of the love of God being displayed in you as you stand up against injustice, as you march in the streets and say, this is not right and we're not taking it anymore. We will become more like the enemy if we're not making sure that through prayer, God is in our hearts. Life never stops. Why could we not do it? Because it will only happen when the people of God 
Stop praying. Stop hating. Stop being involved in stuff that's going to get you off track. Remember that life is going to continue to move and we're going to need the power of God. But now what happens as a result of praying? Jesus shows us. It's in the text, Mark chapter 9. It's in the text. Jesus says, bring the boy to me. And no matter what the devil does to this boy, when Jesus says, come out, the demons got to come out. And then Jesus is able to lift this boy, put him back in his right mind, and present him whole to his father. When God's people are praying, you will experience miracles that you haven't experienced before. You're not listening to me. When is the last time you've been able to go to someone's bedside and pray for them and they got up and went home? I want you to pause by that. See, see, here's what happens. Here's what's ha what happens. Someone gets sick. Maybe you get sick. And the first thing you do is you call for the pastor of the church. Why is it that, why is it that you don't call Dr. Jesus first? Why is it, why is it that you don't say in the name of Jesus? I'm calling this sickness out of myself. And when I call the pastor, it's just to have somebody else with power to help pray for me because I got some power. The reason why we as people of God are not experiencing the miracles of God that he wants to pour in plenteous fashion upon us is because we do so little praying, which means we have a little bit of power. But God has given Listen to me, listen to me. God has given his disciples power, but we got to stay connected to the power source. If we're not connected to the power source, then it will be rare that we will experience the miracles of God. The miracles are intended for God's people's faith to increase. The miracles are intended for us to cling harder to God. Because we see that God has not left us, that he is still there. In the midst of confusion, God is still there. When we get a negative report, God is still there. When we experience his miracles, because we are in constant connection with him. So when this is the last time you've experienced a miracle, because you've prayed, is what the Lord says in the text. He says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. Now, you all, you all heard many sermons on the mustard seed, how tiny it is. If you've had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to a mountain, get up and go over there, and it'll happen. And I want you to know that God is not talking about a literal mountain, but God is talking about the mountains in your life. The mountains that you feel you cannot climb. The mountains that you feel keep pushing you down. The mountains you feel you don't have any strength to deal with any longer. The word says, the word says that if we had faith the size of a mustard seed, we could say to the mountains, move, and they got to go. Let me read something to you about the mustard seed that I found very interesting. 
Uh, this is in Desired Ages, page 431, uh, paragraph three. Listen to this. When the mustard seed is cast into the ground, don't miss this, the tiny germ lays hold of every element that God has provided for its nutriment. And it speedily develops a sturdy growth. Are you, did you get that? Learn that lesson from the mustard seed. When it's planted in the ground, it immediately begins to say, well, I need some water, let me grab that. I need this, I, I need that. And, and it grabs everything that it needs to become a sturdy tree. And God says, if we had faith like that, that looks to grab every nourishment from the Lord, that we could see every one of his promises, everything that he's said that he would give to us, if we're looking to grab it, we will grow a strong, mighty, sturdy Christians, not blown and tossed about by every wind of strife, not easily discouraged because we know about the power of God. We will hold on and grow and become mighty and powerful. And when we pray, it'll mean something. People will look for you to pray for them because it will mean something. They know that you're somebody who can get a prayer through. Why could they not cast out the demon? Why did Jesus have to come down the mountain to do it? It was because they were busy hating. It was because the, the reason they needed to keep praying is because life never stops. And what happens when you pray? You experience power like Jesus showed them. I came across something interesting in the book of Hebrews that I want to share with you. Write it down. And when you get home, I want you to uh, make sure that you Look and give some time and attention to it. Hebrews chapter nine. And I know that our technician is going to put up a, a picture for us. Verses one through four. And I want to read that for you. Hebrews chapter nine. Verses one through four. I want you to stay with me because this is very important. Then verily the first covenant. Had also ordinances of the divine service and the worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made the first, wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer, and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the table of the covenant. Now, before I just break that down for you, when we go back to the book of Exodus, it was always God's desire to be with his people, always. And he said to them, when they came up out of Egypt, he said, let them make me a sanctuary so I could dwell among them. And that sanctuary had three sections to it. It had the outer court. It had the holy place. 
and it had the most holy place. In the outer court, there was the altar burnt offering and the lever, which the, the, the priests used to clean themselves before they actually went into the tent. In the outer court, the people of Israel, along with the priests, could come. But when you move actually into the holy place and the most holy place, when you move into the holy place, only the priests could go in there. And when you went into the most holy place, only the high priest could go in. In the holy place, there was the seven branch candlestick. There was the table of showbread and it was the altar of incense. The, that candlestick. They literally represented Jesus, the light of the world. That, that table of showbread represented Jesus, the bread of life. That altar of incense represented the prayers of the saints. As the incense went up, it represented the prayer of the saints. There was a curtain that blocked the holy place from the most holy place. And the prayers, the incense would go up and it would go to the top of the, the curtain into the most holy place. And there in the most holy place, there was, and it should be on the screen, there was the Ark of the Covenant, cherubims on each side. And in the middle of those cherubims was the mercy seat, which, which was the very presence of God, the Shekinah glory. In the inside of the Ark of the Covenant, it was the Ten Commandments. And in the side of the Ark of the Covenant, it was Aaron's rod that budded and, and a, bowl, a, a bowl of manna. And, 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 and those prayers, now let's go back into the holy place. The, the prayers of the saints ascended and went into the most holy place where the presence of God were, where they knew they could get their help. But now when I go back and I read Hebrews, I don't want you all to miss this. When I read Hebrews chapter nine, verse one, let's read it again. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service, a worldly sanctuary, for there was a tabernacle made. The first talking about the holy place. And we remember what was in the holy place, the candlestick, the seven layer candlestick, the table of brush, uh, uh, showbread and the altar of burnt offering. But now let's read. For there was a tabernacle made the first, wherein was the candlestick, mm -hmm. check, the table, and the showbread, check, which is called the sanctuary. Something's missing. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That seems like the most important element. The prayers of the people ascending. Where is it? For there was a tabernacle, verse two again, the first, the holy place, wherein was the candlestick and the table, check, the table and the showbread, check, which is called the sanctuary. Where is the altar of burnt offering? I'm sorry, the altar of incense. Look at verse three. And after the second veil, that's the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, the most holy place. We have the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had the manna and Aaron rod, the Aaron's rod that budded in the table of the covenant. Listen, that golden censer, when I began to research that because that wasn't supposed to be in there, I discovered that it literally was that altar of incense that now somehow is in the very presence of God. While Exodus said it should be a veil blocking, Hebrews said that, that after Christ has died 
and Jesus has ascended into the very throne room of his father, our high priest, I wish I had time to preach it, our high priest to begin mediation in our behalf, that now our prayers are no longer have any barriers in between us. They are now literally in the very presence of our God. Remember when Jesus was dying on the cross, for no reason at all, the text switches his attention and it says that the veil and the temple ripped from the top to the bottom. And now when Jesus said it is finished, he became our high priest. And, and now we don't need a man to go in before us to bring our prayers. Now we don't need anything to, that's blocking us from the presence of God. That veil is ripped and God's people now are giving direct access into his very presence. That's why scriptures proclaim, let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we might find grace and mercy and help in our time of need. There are no longer barriers when we pray, there's, a, there's not a curtain there so that the prayers have to ascend and go over the top. But when we pray, our prayers ascend into the very presence of God, where the Father is and where the Son is. And we can have mercy and we can have grace and we can have power. And we there's no barrier blocking it from going there, but we are granted direct access to our Father. So the question is, why are we not praying? When we pray, hallelujah, we are directed right into the presence of God. That's how special our prayers are. I'm thankful that I came across that in Hebrews. No more barrier when you pray, but you go right there where your mediator is, where the spirit of God is in, even helping to interpret our prayer. Why? Why? Why couldn't we do it? Why don't we have power to put it in the racism? Why don't we have power to call cancer away from us? Why don't we have power to ask God to straighten our children up and they straighten up? Why don't we have power to put away those sins in our lives that have us off track. Why don't we have the power? It's because we're not praying enough. Plain and simple. Not enough prayer. You know, we make those cute statements. A lot of prayer, a lot of power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer. No power. We make those cute statements. But how much of it really sticks? Some things just won't happen until the people of God are praying. We are not going to experience the outpouring of God's power unless we spend time asking for it. So I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe you're one who really, you really haven't been spending time praying. You need to know, I wrote this sermon at a time when my prayer life was just kind of going down and I had to make sure that I'm picking it back up. Maybe you have allowed your prayer time to begin to slide and you've been seeing evidence 
of little to no power. And you want that to turn around today. If you just type in the section, Pastor, I need power. So I want to increase my prayer life. So you could just say, I want to increase my prayer life. I want to increase my prayer. Ty just type it in the comment section. I want to increase my prayer life. Maybe you're watching us today. You came across our stream today. And you don't know a lot about this God that we've been talking about that is waiting to provide power. Who's standing as your intercessor right now in the very presence of the Father and is waiting on you to make a call, waiting on you to pray. You might want to say, could you pray for me today that I could get to know God? If you just type that in that comment section, pray for me to get to know God. We're going to ask somebody from the team to monitor. And if you type that in there, if you would even give us a way of contacting you, we'd love the opportunity to talk to you. I want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the time that we've been able to spend together. And thank you for providing power. It's available for your people to do mighty things, not just for themselves, but so that your name could be glorified. There's plenty of power that's available but we are just not praying enough. And I'm praying, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that that would end today. That we would pray like we've never prayed before. We'll be more earnest with our praying. Lord, someone typed in that resection that they want to pray more. And I'm asking that they, that they would that you would honor that, that, that desire. Don't have to know how to pray eloquent prayers, just talk to you like a friend. Somebody may have put in that resection in the comment section, Lord, that they want to get to know you better. This is God who stands as an intercessor. This Christ who stands as an intercessor in the very presence of God. They want to get to know you better and I pray that you will seal that decision for them. And for those who may not be making that decision, Lord, I don't know how much longer you can linger. You're coming, but give them the, another chance to be able to connect you with you in a very real way. Help us not to have to ask the question, why could we not do it? Because we will be full of you and your power. Until then, keep us faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What a powerful message. That's what you call meat in due season. Thank you, Pastor. Just letting us realize how we have to stay focused. We need to refocus ourselves because there's so many things in this world that's going on right now to take us out of focus, put our minds back on the power of prayer so that we can climb those mountains in our lives. Thank you once again, Pastor. And as the pastor said, we just want to remind you that 
we're going to suspend our prayer meeting on this Wednesday because every night starting tomorrow night at 730, we want to experience the power. We're going to be praying all this week. We want you to use this time to invite someone to camp meeting. This time we don't have to travel to Kansas City. We don't have to have hotel costs. So this is going to be a blessing even in your pocket. Camp meeting is coming right to you. So use this time to invite somebody else to join our camp meeting every night at 730. Amen. Amen. And this, this afternoon at 2.30, we're going to have our training for discipleship class. Last day, events, Elder Lee Carroll's going to be leading out. You can join us uh, at 2.30. So with that being said, we trust that today would be a blessing to you. I was truly blessed once again, Pastor. Thank you for those encouraging words. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace both now and forevermore. Amen.